today on Ag News Daily. Trying to uh, obviously uh, keep improving yields, which is important for food security, and at the same time, in the context of uh, changes in climate, um, which, uh, could be different depending on where we are. Uh, it's, it's, it's quite of a challenge. Well, listeners, welcome back to the podcast, January 19th, 2024. Thanks for joining us today. Today's episode is brought to you by Sound Agriculture. You can check out their information at sound.ag for more. And I apologize all week, Delaney, I've been saying soundag.com and it is sound.ag. So appreciate their patience with us and making sure we get that straight. How are you doing today, Delaney? I'm good. How about you, Tanner? Well, better now. Like I said, I felt bad, but we'll get this corrected and uh, everybody that's curious can go find them at sound.ag. It is a little chilly and we're going to get that cool down again. As we talked about through this weekend, wind chill advisories are in effect for most, most of the Midwest here in the Corn Belt. Advisories have been issued for states also outside with extreme lows. Montana, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas reporting early temperatures as low as negative 15 degrees this morning. Wind chills may fall to below 35 degrees uh, in North Dakota. Northern Indiana, southern Michigan have snowfall that will continue throughout today and Saturday. Two to three inches of accumulation is possible there before the polar vortex moves their direction and wind chills drop to minus 10. Going to be slippery road conditions as that system moves through. Iowa is reporting anywhere from two to five inches through that system that came through yesterday. It was light and fluffy in our area, Delaney. Did you have uh, light and fluffy snow too? We did, but I'm looking at the thermometer this morning and it's saying negative two degrees outside so that's not so exciting yeah it's not good when your high hits at midnight and it's only going to get colder yeah. the day yeah well speaking of uh, weather here i'm going to take us down to some south american weather headlines tanner as we know argentina is coming off one of their gr- driest seasons that they've had in the lifetime of uh, history recorded in argentina the 140 year drought i think is what they're calling it but they have had a fairly wet growing season the last couple of months with consistent and persistent rainfall, sometimes even a little too heavy at times. Uh, their weekly crop conditions report as of January 18th showed that just 3% of corn and 2% of soybeans were rated in poor condition. However, there is a turnaround coming for them. As we drift into the weekend here, a system has... Brought, been brought in to the north of Argentina and into southern Brazil and Paraguay. And this front is going to be bringing in a good amount of rainfall to the country and soil moisture. However, outside of some air, outside of those areas, some isolated showers in Buenos Aires and a few other areas, the models are pointing to very dry conditions across the rest of Argentina through at least January 28th and possibly into early February. Some weather folks are forecasting here that this is going to drastically uh, increase the conditions we see of those crops rated in the four to very four categories as they're looking at things like subsoil moisture and longer term drought indicators here, Tanner. So the models are potentially going to turn very dry once again for Argentina, who's already had obviously a pretty rough year last year. Uh, and the question is, you know, what does this do for the crop long term? What kind of subsoil moisture is there truly down there? And how does this, you know, maybe potentially close to a month's stretch of dry weather impact their growing season? 
Yeah, there's been a lot of conversations around the Midwest that I've been having that thankful for the snow that's hit the ground, but now we need to get that into our subsoil moisture yeah. as well. We did see a couple of trends hitting the equipment market, year-over-year -year sales for combines, four-wheel drive tractors, and two-wheel drive tractors over 100 horsepower saw gains year-over-year -year from 2022 to 2023. All other market segments declined, according to the Association of Equipment Manufacturers. Year-over-year -year gains in the combine and 100-plus horsepower tractors of the two-wheel drive stature is a welcome sight for dealers going into 2024. They're confident that the other tractor segments that fell in 2023 weren't large slides. Year-to-date, there was a report of 250,265 total farm tractors sold in December, and that was down 8.2% from the total year of 2022. Supply has been better, which is certainly good for those equipment sales representatives. Four-wheel drive production did slow down year over year, but these larger tractors are still coming in in high demand. So these categories are going to continue to keep supplies tight in 2024. When you look at total farm tractor sales in just December alone, it was a little over 19,000, which was down 5%. But when you look at that cat category of two-wheel drive, it was up 5.8%. When you look at sales of tractors in that medium horsepower range, they were down 9.1% for the total year of 2023 compared that of 2021 but like i said when you get 100 plus horsepower in the two-wheel drive category up just shy of four percent so quite interesting there self-propelled combines like we said were down in the month of december but up for the year overall which i think we've had conversations around that delaney before and saw that trend coming to fruition yeah we absolutely did and i'm glad you touched on that headline this morning tanner because i saw it and didn't have time to really dive into that too much but keeping things moving here I thought this was an interesting article to share on a little bit of a hopefully lighter Friday episode but a recent survey funded by the Kansas Beef Council looked at consumers and the factors that they say affects their purchases of beef products consumers were asked to rank the most important factors and attributes that influence their buying decisions and over 3,000 consumers participated in the study in the state of Kansas. The results said that the top three factors that influenced their beef purchasing decisions were unsurprisingly freshness, safety, and price. But also they said animal welfare, no hormones, no antibiotics, and buying local were also top factors. As far as the lowest priority factors that don't influence their purchasing decision, uh, that came out to be low-carbon beef. Consumers rated beef production with 10% lower greenhouse gas emissions as their lowest priority. And besides emphasizing some of the more common sense attributes, the study shows that there is a niche market for every attribute. Just because most consumers aren't concerned about low-carbon beef doesn't mean that some aren't seeking it out. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to play market headlines to see where those stories take us. We've got our ethanol headlines for the week. Ethanol output declined as inventories surged. Production of the biofuel declined to 1.054 million barrels per day on average. That's done from 1.062. Ethanol stackpiles 
stockpiles jumped to 25.695 barrels. And that is up from 24.371. So nearly a million, 1.2 million barrel jump, which is interesting, Delaney. That shows uh, almost all of the production from this last week went into that of the stockpiles. We'll need to get some demand built back up there. Colorado also announces that they're seeking their 40th farm fresh directory. They look to publish this through their State Department of Agriculture. The directory will be released in June and will promote farmers markets, roadside stands, UPIC facilities, community-supported agriculture, agritourism, wines, farms, ranches, and other customer other companies that sell directly to customers. The state is going to do this for their 40th year and is leading the nation in a style as such. More than 100,000 copies of the directory were distributed last year. They're distributed through libraries, extension offices, the farmer's market, welcome centers, chambers, and other delivery services. So it'll be interesting to see if other states can keep up the trend, but what a nice little project going on in Colorado. Absolutely. Well, Tanner, I have just one final headline here as we take a look at wrapping up our news segment for today. Five EU nations have seek are seeking Ukrainian grain import duties. Uh, the specific Eastern countries that are part of the European Union are asking for import duties to be imposed on Ukrainian grain, saying that the overabundance, once again, is causing cheaper products in their domestic markets. The five countries include Bulgaria, Poland, Hungary, Romania, and Slovakia, and they officially issued a letter to the European Commission requesting that action. Uh, we'll see what the EU answers, but you know their response largely has been that we need to support Ukraine in these efforts, although they do understand why the request is being made, but no response to that letter has been granted as of yet. Yes, in the last headlines that I've got, going to hit a little bit on the countdown to the New Hampshire primary. Donald Trump and rivals Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, are still hitting their campaign trails on Friday. They're looking to make their final pitch to voters just days ahead of their primary contest. Haley and Trump escalate their attacks. The former South Carolina governor and former president are continuing to press against each other, trying to deliver a knockout blow to the Haley campaign. Trump's campaign is looking to take that third place spot of hers in Iowa and convince her campaign party to stop and discontinue after New Hampshire. CNN's town hall with Haley allowed her the opportunity to answer questions for voters last night and uh, is calling for a healing of the country and an area that might need some healing. Delaney is that Gaza region. The Israeli prime minister is dismissed calls for post-war Palestinian state they're adding tensions again with the Biden administration, as uh, you had discussed. <clears throat> Houthi rebels are firing missiles again at another U.S.-owned commercial ship just hours after a new round of U.S. military strikes were against the Iran-backed group in Yemen. Gaza is now faced with a near total communications blackout for nearly a week, the longest of the war so far, and we don't see when those will get Reestablished, of course, Israeli forces are severely damaging other monuments, especially Gaza cemeteries, looking at removing some valuables and even bodies in one spot, seizing remains that is not going over well in that area. But those are the last of my headlines for today. 
Fantastic. Tanner, well, the only headline I have left here is looking at the markets. And as we head into the opening session here, March corn is up two and three quarters cents at 446 and three quarters. March soybeans up 10 and three quarters cents in the overnight to open at 1224 and a quarter. March Chicago wheat up six or excuse me, up five and a half cents at 591. March hard red winter wheat up six cents at 611. And March spring wheat up seven and a quarter cent at 695 and a quarter. As we take a look at the livestock markets and where they'll open here this morning, February live cattle up a dollar seventy-two and a half last night in the overnight will open at 174.82. March feeder cattle will open this morning at 232.55. And February lean hawks will open this morning at 71.10. So now let's turn over to today's conversation. Do you want to optimize the amount of plant nutrition provided by the microbes in your soil? Source it. Want to replace 25 pounds of nitrogen and phosphorus per acre? Source it. Looking for a more cost-effective way to unlock your crop's potential and increase ROI? Source it. Easy to handle, apply, and store. To make your fertilizer plan more efficient, source it. Learn more at sound.ag. Well, listeners, we are venturing down to Kansas State University today. Uh, We've got Dorivar Ruiz Diaz. Hopefully I didn't butcher that too bad for you, sir. Uh, And uh, he's going to tell us a little bit about what his role is and what his title is and get himself introduced to us. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Um, Yes, my my role here at K-State is um, a soil fertility specialist. I'm a professor here in the Department of Agronomy. Awesome. So as we are having the conversation today, uh, Kansas State University has been putting a lot of research into how the climate is impacting agriculture and what that future looks like for us. How long have you been with the university? Yes, uh, I've been here for about 15 years. Um, I've been uh, uh, basically in the Midwest for, for uh, much longer than that, in Illinois, uh, Iowa for graduate school. Uh, Some pretty familiar with the with the challenges uh, here in the Midwest and, and, and some of the needs that we need to improve yields and, of course, in the context of sustainability. Yeah, and Kansas State University has been really focused on this topic of sustainability and just recently received quite a bit of funding to study different ways that you can increase crop yield, but being aware of the climate change that's going on around us and the environmental changes and impacts we have. Talk to us a little bit at a high level about how this research came to light or how this decided to be a focus point of Kansas State. Yes, um, this, this is a really exciting project. Uh, one in particular that we just got funded um, is a project uh, with a total funding of uh, 16.3 million. Um, and it's uh, primarily funded by the uh, Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. Um, and of course, it is a large project. And, and one of the key aspects of this is really a partnership uh, involving multiple um, industry uh, and university partners. And so again, it is, it is a large project. Uh, of course, we are leading here uh, at Kansas State University, but it's really a team um, effort uh, with many other colleagues in other universities in the Midwest working on this project. And yes, uh, sort of the main goal of this is, of course, to to improve yields, uh, which is one of the the key aspects, and of course, in the context of sustainability. Um, And and this is a very complex uh, uh, goal because uh, 
trying to uh, obviously uh, keep improving yields, which is important for food security. And at the same time, in the context of uh, changes in climate, um, which uh, could be different depending on where we are, uh, is, is, is quite of a challenge. And so again, it really requires uh, um, an effort from um, multiple um, colleagues, different expertise, and that's exactly what we have in this particular project. Like you said, there's a significant challenge ahead of you because we've had a couple of discussions around demand not keeping up pace with production that is happening already. Increased yields, uh, whether it be in economic situations as the current or in the future, certainly helps with food security. What's the thought to what the future brings as we continue to boost the capabilities of the crops we grow? Yes, and, and one key aspect of this, of this uh, project is to um, uh, exactly to, to see how we can, we can make improvements in different parts of the, the, the region, uh, basically a, a climatic gradient where we uh, plan to evaluate different aspects of uh, increasing intensity of crop rotations, uh, intensity and the diversity of that crop rotation essentially means uh, being able to put more crops uh, in rotation, depending on where we are in the in the in the region, and so this is one key aspect uh, where hopefully we'll uh, uh, at least maintain. But ultimately, what we want is to increase that productivity, basically using uh, much better their resources in terms of water use um, and and obviously nutrients and and other uh, very expensive inputs. Um, we have other components in this particular project where we are uh, establishing trials where we look at interaction with. Uh, nitrogen, for example, which is another key component that um, is very important for productivity, but also can have some issues in terms of potential losses to the environment. Uh, and, and again, that's that's one key aspect there. Um, things like tillage. Again, we want to maintain soil productivity, uh, minimize any potential uh, erosion losses, and that's another key component there. Um, we do talk a lot about um, uh, including cover crops, for example. And, and again, uh, it's also one way where we can continue to uh, maintain the productivity, but also perhaps open opportunities to include, for example, livestock uh, operations uh, in the case of cover crops. So again, those are some key aspects that we are looking to include in this particular project that we, we are initiating now. As you can, uh, as, I, as I say, this uh, sounds very complex and it is very complex. Um, and, and, and that's the reason why we're partnering with, with different um, um, industry and university uh, colleagues to, to work on this. Uh, it's the type of project that uh, really cannot be done by um, uh, single universities or, or even just a few universities. In this case, we are partnering uh, specifically with uh, Bayer Crop Science, uh, LICOR, and Landscan. These are companies that are um, also working on, on aspects of productivity and sustainability uh, and help us basically to uh, establish these type of trials across uh, gradients uh, in the Midwest. As you look at maybe future outcomes, as you mentioned, you're partnered with a lot of other universities and um, agribusiness associations and organizations to make sure that you're really hitting the mark on the head here. But when you look at the future of the five-year study that's going on, across eight different locations. What are you hoping to see as an end goal or as maybe the result of the study and research that you're doing? Yes, yeah, so there, there are many uh, uh, key objectives that we, we hope to accomplish here. Um, 
of course, there's the, the aspect of uh, agronomics, which again, we talk a lot about, and, and it's one thing that to me is very important, um, is uh, uh, making sure we, we, we meet the productivity we need, because of course that has many implications. Uh, but there are also other key objectives here. We wanna make sure um, we improve sustainability and some aspects of that is uh, increasing soil carbon, uh, minimizing emissions, uh, uh, that's, that's a key component. Um, we have a, a, a strong objective here on the economics. We want to make sure all of these are um, economical and basically profitable for the farmer ultimately. And then again, that's, that's going to be basically determining what is uh, basically doable in the field. At the end of the day, we have to make sure this is, uh, you know, uh, sustainable in terms of the, the economics. Um, and then we have one uh, component as well that uh, I'm really excited about this, which is the, the modeling component, which uh, again, with all of these uh, multiple locations that we have, uh, eight locations across different states, uh, will generate a lot of data. And we hope this data can provide some, some framework for modeling that we can use uh, to do a better job in terms of predicting what's going to be perhaps a, a, a better management, a better combination of management for certain regions in the future. Because again, we, we know there are changes happening uh, across the region. Uh, there are some changes happening uh, in, in climate in different parts of, of, of the US. And again, the question is, how are these different scenarios maybe uh, going to fit some of those environments? And that's, that's one aspect that I, I'm really excited about it because again, would allow us to uh, to do a better job in terms to uh, making decisions in the future. Other things, uh, again, that we are uh, uh, key objectives of this is uh, to, to, to have a better understanding of things like microbial community uh, in the soil with different management. And again, uh, I know farmers are uh, really looking at these uh, from the sustainability standpoint, but also, uh, you know, there are some opportunities there. If we are uh, making improvements in terms of the, the type of um, microbial community, how is this going to affect things like nutrient cycling uh, and improving availability of nutrients uh, and just resiliency of the cropping system. And so those are some of the key objectives uh, that we are um, uh, looking in this project. And, and again, we have some excellent colleagues in different um, disciplines uh, working on, on some of these different aspects. So if our listeners want to keep pace with the studying that you guys are doing and the research What's the best way for them to look up that information? Yes, uh, we are in the early stages at this point. Um, uh, we recently established the locations and uh, we are developing uh, a website uh, uh, to provide some of the, the results as we go along. Of course, uh, there's uh, already information about this particular project and other projects in the website from the Foundation for Food and Agriculture Research. Uh, which um, uh, is providing some updates on, on some some of these projects, and so um, we're looking forward to 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 share these uh, as 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 soon as we can, as soon as we have some some results. Uh, um, one thing I want to highlight highlight in, in my particular case and many of my colleagues in this project, we have uh, extension appointments, uh, and so we work very closely with farmers and agronomists. And so ultimately, what we really like to do is to share this information. Uh, with farmers, um, and, and again, hopefully, it will be information that will uh, significantly, significantly improve um, uh, management decisions and in, in profitability and sustainability in the future. Well, thank you again for taking the time to talk with us today. Thank you. 
There you go, listeners. Another good conversation to wrap up our week. We'll be back again with you on Monday, bringing you a Market Monday conversation that we haven't had in a little while. But Delaney, for today, what do you say? Should let the listeners go? Let's let them go. 